Welcome to another episode of The Main Report. Uh, this is episode 14. Uh, welcome to all of our listeners. If you are on uh, the podcast app, welcome back. And if you're listening on News Talk 94.3, good morning. And with us uh, first today is Sarah Hedges, the Director of Food Service at McCracken County Schools. Um, and later in the show, we uh, you will have an interview. Uh, it's kind of important for high school seniors and juniors. Uh, with uh, Megan Bolin, uh, she's going to talk about all the things that uh, seniors need to be doing to get ready to move on to college. Uh, but Miss Hedges is with us first, and um, you know we were just talking uh, off air about it's food service is one of those things where at first it may have seemed like an afterthought, and then a pandemic like we have now um, came about, and now food service has became or has become one of the front and center topics. I remember uh, in the first two weeks of the pandemic going NTI, they were uh, talking about all the meals delivered. Um, so we'll go back to March of last year. How how did you all manage to transition from doing all of your meals in the cafeteria daily to students to then moving to deliveries? Well, I think initially we, we knew that something was going to happen and we knew that we were going to play a very vital part and feeding our kids, because that's that's the most important thing to all of us in food service. And as we started to brainstorm as to how we were going to do this, we, we all met and we knew that our inventory was going to completely change because we would not be able to be serving those traditional hot meals. And then the biggest question we had is, how are we going to get this to kids? How are we going to do this? Because a lot of food service operations and other schools were having pickup. A lot of people um, did satellite stops around communities where they could stop in and get it. And we just knew that our district was so spread out that we needed we needed a bus. So um, I called uh, Teresa in transportation, who is wonderful, and we just became great partners with the transportation department and they were all in and we were all in and the managers met um, right before this all went down and we made a very on a piece of paper like a sticky note we made a (laughs) menu as to what it would be it had to be very simple it had to be non-perishable it had to be something that um, kids could eat all at once if they wanted to or they could spread it out over the day or whatever we knew it had to be a double menu a double meal breakfast and lunch and it just worked now there were lots of problems and we had to make lots of changes throughout but food service i have to say is one of the departments that constantly operate on a plan b we always have something go wrong bananas are too green or the truck doesn't come in or so and so it can't be here to help so we do morph a lot and so we we just made it work and that's the thing is how did you know or how did you learn how many meals you would be delivering and how much inventory to bring with buses did you ever at any point run out on a route or oh have to absolutely come back? we didn't know we we all we had to go on was how many meals we we serve daily which we usually serve around 75 percent of the district um on a daily basis and so we kind of had the inventory or as much as we could get to prepare for that first monday and we kind of called it a shot in the dark we just prepared all of the, Teresa and I got together, we put a certain amount of buses at each school, and each manager prepared as many sack lunches as they 
possibly could that were considered reimbursable were a federally funded program. So we're very highly regulated. So that's something we also had to keep in mind. And another thing that we have to acknowledge is just like when you guys went to Walmart to get all of your stuff, like toilet paper and and whatever you needed and the aisles were empty. Well, the places that stock those stores are in the same shape. So the places that we were ordering from, they were out. They didn't have what we needed. We So we... We just shot in the dark, and that first day, we we just kind of versed everyone that have your radio ready and be prepared to meet somebody somewhere to get sack lunch or be prepared to make more. And then after we had that first run, we had official numbers, and we kind of adjusted from there. So what? how did you all manage to get the funding for this? Because that changes the or dramatically what it costs to provide meals is then taking them out on bus routes. So is there any kind of like federal assistance to help you deliver meals and uh, pay for the different uh, food service options? Because as you said, you had to move from um, different things like hot meals in the cafeteria to less perishable items that you could take out on the road. Well, we we operate on a reimbursement and we operate a month behind. So obviously we had those funds available to make our next food orders like we would normally, but we were ordering different things. Um, transportation was great. This actually helped save some of those positions and give them something to do to run their routes. So that was a completely separate entity um, as far as budgeting. Um, now, one of the problems was we do have budgets that each school follows, but whenever we couldn't get the items that we needed, it became more of a get what you can get. So, um we knew that we had to have kids get the meals and we knew that we could get the kids to get the meals if we took the t- took it to their house. So that's how we saved the program. That's, you know, the more meals we serve, the more reimbursement we get, the more food we can purchase to do it again the next week. So as like was the first Monday, was that on the lower end of what you ended up serving as we got deeper into the pandemic yes. or was that on the higher end or did, it, did participation decrease? It was on the lower end because I think it was just such a shock and people were so confused. And when they saw, you know, originally we would all get on the bus and we were running sacks to the to the door. So we would literally knock on people's doors and they would be like, oh, thank you. This is awesome. Um, leaving them on the doorsteps when we knew they were there. And we had to clean up some of that just because we, we wanted to control our waste as best we can. We never want the bus drivers to call and say, hey, we've got 50 sack lunches left. What do you want to do? So that was something that we had to be mindful of of and we did change as we progressed so as people saw that bus drive by at a at a certain time of course meanwhile we're doing all of the things pr wise on facebook um jamie jones is fantastic and did some great work with us to help get yep, the word right. out i would so, assume that's probably how most people figured out yes yeah. and she then was on the, she was on the show a couple of weeks ago she's, yes yeah she's awesome and she helped out a, a lot and so And another thing that the state really did to help us, because we are a federally funded grant program, we have not operated under what we normally call the National School Lunch Program. We've actually operated under the Summer Feeding Program. So not only has your food service staff fed all of your own district, we have fed anybody in this community that is under 18. So when we drove that bus around, and still to this day, I mean, if we are out on our virtual routes and there is someone that needs a meal that is under 18, we can provide that to them. So that was really helpful to the community. And this was all school districts. The city was able to do this. They're all operating under the same grant program. So we're all working together to feed our community. It was really awesome. So now that we're back, um, you know, in person, how does that all change? Because now it's not, you have some of your cafeteria staff 
preparing meals for in-person students and then also like take-home sack lunches for hybrid days. And then you also still have your virtual routes. How does that all work and how do you have enough people? Well, we have enough people and we get really confused a lot. And so we have to meet a lot and talk and get our brains together because our wires still cross. But yes, hybrid is probably one of the hardest um, scenarios for food service because we are constantly working ahead and constantly making a meal ahead. We have the meal that you get sent home. You have the meal that you eat in-house. We also have super snack in there in the afternoons and then breakfast. And we also have developed just full-blown routes for our virtual students. So that's completely separate. I think that's something that's really helped us and your high school staff really mans that route. So since they have the largest staff in the district, they are the ones that are preparing that virtual route. People signed up on Google so we knew what their address was, how many meals they needed. So that's how we got those numbers and it it runs very efficiently just out of the high school and is not affecting the other schools. However, it is very hard work to to make the hot breakfast, the hot lunch, then sack up the cold, you know, the cold for the the next day, breakfast and lunch, and then still be trying to be ahead a day ahead. Um, while we're, I mean, food service was still battling all of the, you know, the COVID issues as well. We had people that were getting exposed, people who couldn't get a, be at work, you know, um, limited labor. But we all work together as a family. But to answer your question better, we were getting up to close to seven thousand meals a day when we were full virtual. It was it was crazy, and that was going pound to pound for breakfast and lunch. So it was it was very lucrative for food service. Wow. So is that more meals than you would serve, or is that close to around the meals you would serve if you were just all in school? That's about 100%. And usually really? when we serve in school on a normal basis, district-wide, we serve about 75%. Wow. So you we had more. Yeah. So you had more. And that service. could have a lot. There could be a lot of things to do with that because really we were, like I said, serving under summer feed. We could serve anybody that was 18 and under. So When you say meals, do you mean like... Does that include one meal for each breakfast and lunch? Or when you just say that, you well, when I say that meal, includes both? I say a sack. We call it yeah. a sack now. And that contains a breakfast and a lunch. Awesome. Now, our virtual gotcha. routes, they they contain two breakfasts and two lunch because we deliver on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Gotcha, gotcha. Wow. So so there's a lot of preparation. <laughs> yes. It's, it's kind of one of those things that, I, you know, as I've thought about it, once I... Uh, heard from you uh, that you could come on the show, which, by the way, you got back to me really fast. I didn't expect we could do this hey, today. Hey, I try. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was one of those things I'm like, oh my goodness, they have to go through a lot. Um, so now that you've, do you feel like you're, you know, the cafeterias have gotten into a flow of things on how to prepare things? Are we still working out kinks? We're always working out kinks in food service. I mean, and we're just like a good example of that is we met earlier. We met on Monday and we already have done the hybrid scenario and we did pretty well. And so we decided that we would start out how we had we had started and then we were going to meet next Monday to correct things and to better things. So we're always trying to make it better and we're always trying to make it manageable because we don't want to stress our people out, but we still want to give the best product that we can. So the way we look at our menu as we move forward, especially if we stay in this hybrid schedule, that's really, since we're seeing both groups twice a week, that's that's two hot meals for you. And then that's two hot meals for the other group. So, you know, that's that's four hot meals a week. Yeah, for students in school. Yes, and so we wanted to make those the best that we could, your favorites. So we pulled out the very favorites from each each grade level, because elementary is a little different than middle, and middle is a little different than high. And we decided, hey, yo, that's eight hot meals 
a month that we want to really make the best of the best of the favorite that our kids want. So we're making sure you eat your favorites in school. And, of course, we try to keep as much non-perishable as we can that we send home because, you know, sometimes people forget to take it out of their backpack and, and things like that. So you mentioned, like, uh, non-perishable goods. And a lot of the, some of the stuff that, uh, you know, students have is obviously perishable. Mm-hmm. Uh, milk and stuff is yes. uh, those things. And uh, I can't really think <laughs> That was well, the one that came to mind. Yes, milk but, is a big deal. And we um, we try not to send milk out on our virtual routes just because holding it, keeping it um, at the correct temperature can be a more of a danger than just putting the extra juice or a bottled water in there. So the one question that was really on my mind before we did this is, you know, how did it work out when somebody tested positive or was in quarantine within one of your school cafeterias? So we do have um, the decision tree that the district follows, and we followed that, you know, very well. Um, And we just kind of did it one case at a time, and we tried to very much contain situations. We really haven't wiped out an entire kitchen yet or had a situation where everyone in the entire kitchen had to be... um, Quarantined. quarantined so but we have had situations where staff were diminished to about 50 percent so we're much like a family and i've never seen that or witnessed it more than than now and we all work together we all were ready to help each other we were all ready to jump in and do it and so when that situation happened we would either reroute buses to another school to pick out those, pick up those sacks, or we would send help to help that kitchen. It just depended on what the situation was best for those people. So what was the hardest part of all this situation where you're virtual and you're giving out hybrid? Was it some staff being diminished, or was it getting food on time, or getting food to the right, the right people that needed it? What was the hardest part, would you say? Um... I think the hardest part was just the continuation of that positive attitude that we always have because we were constantly changing. We were we were always there. We never were we never went home. You know, the the operation continued, but it changed a lot. And I think the changing was very difficult for food service because it completely changed the type of foods we were ordering. It completely changed the type of prep we had. Um, And so we would very quickly go from that assembly line type factory looking situation. I mean, some of our kitchens turned into like a factory looking with boxes stacked and tables lined out and people just assembly line making those sack lunches. And then the next week we would change back to the hybrid schedule. And so that was one, you know, just keeping spirits high was, was difficult. But with the group that we have, we just kept doing it and pushing through and just holding each other up. You know, we just, everybody had that moment where they cried or got frustrated or oh, yeah. whatever, but we just hugged and moved on. So, yeah, you mentioned your your staff there. Um, talk about, you know, how well your staff has handled this and how or what they've had to do uh, to make changes. Um, you know, the whole group, because I've never... Uh, I've never ever been disappointed with any of the the meals and stuff that the high school staff brings out, and they always seem to have a pretty good attitude. So you know, talk about the staff uh, well, yeah. you have from the schools. I can't talk enough about them. I mean, I, I I love them, and I mean, we we say that all the time in our emails, and we just are very thankful of each other. 
I can't say enough about them because this whole time there were there were still those fears and that uncertainty and the not knowing and and they still came in and they still tried their hardest and not only did they do that in their kitchen but they were willing to do it for other people's kitchens and so I mean just it was so awesome to just be able to call somebody and and they would answer and say what do you need and I would tell them, like, I got it. And, I mean, it would be a five-minute conversation, but it would be done. And it was just like we operated like that constantly, just waiting to help somebody, waiting for it to change, waiting it for, for it to not be right and to fix it the next time. And we just created great relationships with transportation, and that communication is phenomenal. Um, that, that's just an outstanding group th- to talk to. If you ever get a chance to talk to transportation, they've really – stepped up they're actually on my list of uh you know people that i would like to have come on the show i can hook you up but they're awesome oh yeah that'd they're be great. awesome they know their kids they could tell you how many live there what all of it it was just amazing so to see us all come together and work i think was so uplifting it helped us get through it so it's really been a group effort from all parts absolutely of no doubt so uh what are some plans moving forward so i like would would this continue in non-pandemic years, like in the summer, for example? Or like, what are plans that you have for the food service program moving forward? Well, food service is always evolving. And it's a very um, trending thing. Food could be very trending. And we always try to be on the forefront of that. Now, like I said, we are very regulated and we do have to follow certain regulations from the state. And as far as, you know, whole grain, low fat, certain calories, you know, that used to be the highlight when you thought about school food service. And it's kind of changed into to something else now. But um, we're always trying to, to do better and to please you. That's really what we're here for. So, you know, if we see that you're not eating something or our numbers drop, we're very data driven. So we watch those and we'll ask you, like a lot of the times the managers will go out and they'll say, hey, what do you think about this? Or we'll sample something. We want to know what you like. So we're constantly trying to do that I mean and we're just going to do whatever the community needs as far as how do you, you feed the kids I think that this will really improve our summer feed operation we've always had one but I mm-hmm. think that the uh, community has seen that we offer this during the summer as well and um, I think that it will be bigger in the future now that we're yeah we've gone you know we've gone through a whole lot of this year and, um, you know, we, once again, we talked about it off air right before the show is um, with delivering meals and all that, A cup just recently the whole district has become uh, entirely uh, free and reduced lunch. Uh, I forgot what you said it was called. Yes. <laughs> how, much, how much more difficult would that have been if you had some uh, schools that were still on, uh, you know, student accounts and stuff? Well, honestly, it probably would not have been possible because we we operate on your uh, on the point of sale and your ID number, and so, and and that's really so we can know um, our counts as far as how many kids ate. But previously, it would show whether you were free, reduced, or paid, and then our point of sale would categorize that, and then we would put it in for a reimbursement. And a, a free meal or a reduced meal or a full pay meal has a different reimbursement rate. So when you go full CEP, which is what we are, which we're all free, and that stands for Community Eligibility Provision. There it is. Uh-huh. And that means that you are based off of your direct certified percentage, which comes from the state, and it's identifying any students that are homeless, migrant, foster. Um, they are automatically deemed free. However, that percentage of direct certified is what qualifies you to be a Community Eligibility Provision School, or CEP. And so in the past few years, we have stair-stepped through 
this, our percentage has gone higher, and we were able to group the district together to get a percentage that would allow us to be CEP. And with some, and, and also this the going summer feeding and operating under the, the summer feed operation is based more on um, income status. So in other words, I think some districts that weren't even full CEP could have pulled this off um, with it being the summer feed um, operation. Correct. But with us being, and there was a lot of stipulation back and forth about how we're going to fund this because they were pulling from different pots to make this work as well, the people who right. fund us. So um, there was some sticky parts there. And we did have to look into a time when we were going to have to take everybody's name Whenever we we dropped off the meal, because we might have to actually know we we might have to actually know that the kid we gave that meal to went to McCracken. Right. But the state came through, and we are still operating under summer feed, so we really operate on a tally system right now. So for every lunch we make, we get a tally, and I turn in you know a certain number to the state each month of meals that we did. So. If we had not been full CEP, it would have been a completely different situation. It really, really helped us out. So, you know, as we think about it, you said that at our at our peak, we were serving almost 100 percent of the district. Mm-hmm. Are we still serving almost 7,000 meals? Uh, or, yeah, meals per day almost. Now our numbers go down whenever it's hybrid because right. we have more people that are eating in school and not necessarily just dropping off at households. And you got to think, we whenever we stop that bus in front of a house. We did not just give it to the kid that goes to school that lives there. If they had younger siblings that were three or preschool age or what, it doesn't matter. However many meals they needed for that household, we would provide them. And so, of course, that made our numbers go up. And that's totally legal under the summer feed program, which we are still operating on. But we're not running that full route, a route down every single road every day. So it does make our numbers go down a little bit, but we're still going pound to pound for breakfast. So our numbers are pretty good. And that that's just kind of a that's just incredible because I, you never really think what it takes to serve every student mm-hmm. or even non-pandemic. That's a lot of food that you have to make. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, sometimes you forget, too, how many kids are in the district because how many kids is it in the district? Do you know? Six thousand nine hundred and eleven. I mean, there's over 2,000 here. Yeah, there's 2,000 so, at uh, ish at the high school is what I remember. Seeing. So, yeah, that that's a lot of students. So the the fact that you all were able to pull it off, and as we mentioned at our very the very first thing of the show is on in early March, it was a quick uh, step. So I kind of want to end with the last question is, what is something that you're most proud of among your staff and the food service across the district? I'm just being, I'm proud to be a part of their team and to have seen this go down and be a part of it because we just held ourselves strong and held ourselves high and we just kept that our 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 hashtag was feed them it didn't matter what we had to do we were going to feed them meals on wheels off the yellow twinkie whatever we had to do we were going to feed our babies (laughs) and we all had that mentality and i think that it was something it was stressful and it was tiresome but it was exciting and i think we saw our work really be appreciated and anybody who rode that bus and saw how poverty can look different in all areas and the faces of those kids when they would run and get those meals and how it broke the monotony of the long virtual days and kids would run out and be waiting and it was amazing and I don't think I would ever take it back. Wow and uh, if you're just joining us that was uh, Sarah Hedges the Director of Food Service at McCracken County Schools. 
We are going to be back next week um, or next Saturday on News Talk 94.3 and wherever you get your podcasts. Until then, we hope everyone has a great week, and we'll see you next week on The Main Report.